Hey everyone, this is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels and other romance media while joking, opining, and boldly going where other romance lovers dare to venture. This week, that means the England Times zombie apocalypse. Before that, though, I need to give you a Patreon update. This week, all of our bosom buddies can look forward to our recap of Crash Landing on You episode 14, which has a pretty adorable cameo at the end, if I do say so myself. You can also get video from this episode, and then of course the tons of bonus episodes we've done in the past from our three-parter on 365 DN, the three-parter on Killing Me Softly, there's, there's a bunch in there. But now, I hope you're ready to strap knives onto your thighs and brush up on your deadly hearts. Because we've got Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies with author Clive Rose. Here we go! Hi, it's Clive Rose! <laughs> How are you? Hi, I'm, I'm good. Uh, all the way from Sydney and fresh from the zombie lands of Hertfordshire. Derbyshire, but we never went to Derbyshire for for this iteration. <laughs> I know, and that is a shame. It's a very pretty part of the country. Although I have it to is. say, there's some very pretty scenery in this, along with some very gruesome scenery. It's a nice juxtaposition. It is quite, yeah, I agree. So I get the pleasure of talking to you because you won the Romancing the Runoff auction item. I did, and I, I was excited to be a part of it, and I, I'm I'm a fan of democracy. What can I say? And, and I'm a fan That's of Stacey funny. Abrams. I wish we had her here. We could use a Stacey Abrams here. Yeah, she's she's absolutely incredible. Like, I'm I'm in awe of her most of the time. <laughs> the world owes romance writers writers a lot more than it realizes. Austin Austin oh. probably. I wouldn't say she was the. I don't know if I could say she was the first romance writer. That's probably a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> but from there onwards, I think I feel like we've done a lot. Especially since I feel like I've just killed several zombie armies, but that's that's me. That's right. No, I hear you. I mean, we're we're now trained in so many deadly arts, I think they call it. That's one of my favorite. <gasps> the deadly arts. That's one of my favorite. Me too. I always like the parts where they show you I'm a vintage lingerie fan and so the undergarments have cool. always been interesting to me. Especially since frankly despite what most people think, apart from the petticoats, it really weren't that many um, in region. Sure. But, yeah, with the parts where they're basically putting the knives in their garters and the... Uh, oh, that, yeah. That's my fa- one of my favourite scenes. I'll, I'll take that over dressing for a ball any day. Any day. Any day. Yeah, so actually, I so we have to tell listener, mm-hmm. we're here to recap oh. Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. And I have to tell you, this is, I think, my favourite my favorite version of this story in a while. I think I think that's I fair. Love I think it. That's fair. I I have to be honest, it took me a very long time to watch the 2005 film of PMP. Uh-huh. Because because I love 1995 series so much and they I like them in my Same. head. When I when I've got it right, I leave it. Fair. And then I sort of ran out of yeah, and I, it took me a very long time to get into the other version. And I didn't think the other version was necessary, and I still don't. It's a lovely film, it is, <laughs> but it's not a great adaptation of an Austen novel. 
This, however, uh-huh. <laughs> I reckon Jane Austen would have got a kick out of this. Every time I watch it, I've watched it a few times now, I think, what would Austen think? What would she say? I reckon she would be clapping her hands in delight. I think she would be in hog heaven. Yeah. She was clearly a quirky woman or she wouldn't have written women the way she did. Most definitely. Yeah. And she's very much like a take charge woman. And that's all, that's yeah, all and over also, this like, nonsense. My kid, <laughs> not in a million years could I've got her to watch or read. She started to read the previous, the Pride and Prejudice book. She kept, brought it home from the library. Mm-hmm. She's not allowed to read my novels because she's too young. And she goes to school all the time and she says, I put, I put these novels on my reading list for the year, but I'm not allowed to read them. I only put them on because they're my mum's, which is lovely. It's lovely. But That's she's not very allowed. cute. Yes, yes. And, but, but she started Pride and Prejudice and she got halfway through the first chapter and she went, I'm sorry, I cannot read a whole book without Mrs. Bennett in it. She's so irritating. <laughs> and then she watched this version. She goes, oh, this is much better. Uh-huh. <laughs> she goes, like, it's like they crossed them with Wonder Women or, 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 or the Justice League or something. This I can do. I'm like, well, we're halfway there. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I love it. The lines in our house are drawn fairly equally between Austen and the Marvel and the DC universe, so it's it's a it's, very it's cute. a fight all the time. <laughs> but the two fandoms can coexist. I believe really so. perfectly. I there think. are graphic novels of Austen's books. Yeah, I believe certainly there would be one of PMP. It's the most well known. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in a I'm in a very funny Austen fandom that 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 sometimes has some hilarious points and some points that I just. People get the books and the films confused a lot, but I don't know. I I still think that what she only wrote, what is it, seven or nine? I always get that number wrong. Seven or nine books. I don't know. But honestly, there's so many different ways to interpret them. I haven't seen last year the Anna Taylor-Joy Emma came out and right after it came out, we went into lockdown and they shut all the theatre, so I never got to see it. Oh. So I don't know if it's any good. But someone said they played it completely as a comedy and I thought that's probably the best way because I've never seen it done that way. And, frankly, I don't like the character and I don't like that book. But if you played it for laughs, it would probably work the same way. <laughs> so I think Darcy, I, I think the way Darcy's done in um, The Zombies is, is great. Like I think that's like his character doesn't change that much, interestingly, whether he's stabbing the undead yeah. or insulting a girl at a ball. He's pretty much the same yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much the same dude. He just has swords a lot more often. And I think Douglas is my favorite Bingley. He's the best looking Bingley out of all of them for a start. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you there. Yeah. But, but yeah, he's pretty He's pretty nice. He is very. And I was stuff. a little disappointed his name was Douglas. I don't know why. I think I. <laughs> <laughs> then, it didn't fit for you? No, no. I think Wickham is perfect. But, yeah, my, my favourite character, Matt Smith, steals that show for me. <laughs> I start to play through another Matt Smith. He plays Mr. Which, Collins. Oh, Collins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, that uh, Matt Smith steals anything he's in. I know. Ever. And the more I watch him, the more I think this is his film. I know he's not like him. Because so many times Mr. Collins is cringeworthy and painful, but in this one it's him and um, the late Ca- Lady Catherine is. Mm, the face Lena Hetty. Yes, her. Lena, thank you. Lena and Matt yes. are my favourite parts of that. And frankly, Douglas, oh, yeah. Douglas Booth's face. That'll do me. Um, Lily, <laughs> Lily James is okay, but she's fine. She's fine. But yeah, so it it starts off and it starts off with Lizzie's um, voiceover saying, it's a truth universally acknowledged that a zombie in possession of brains must be in want of more brains. And it's 
perfect. This the way that everything is adapted to the zombie apocalypse mm. is just perfect. So, for example, the premise is that Netherfield is available because the family was completely wiped out when two people who had been bitten by zombies didn't tell anybody and they like were at a whist party. And so Darcy shows up and he's like, he, there was a report that, you know, there's going to be, there's a zombie around here or whatever. And he lets out these carrion flies or like they're carrion flies, right? In my yeah. notes, they're called corpse flies. So <laughs> there we go. that's, that's a lovely moment. It's a lovely moment. Oh God. It's that's so good. Uh huh. Cause they're like, they're like, oh, the buzzing is horrible. And he's like, no, no. It's when they stop buzzing that should scare you. And then they do stop buzzing right on a dude's face because he has been super bit. And Darcy murders him to death right there, just lops off his head in the middle of the parlor. And then he's like, is there anybody else like who traveled with him? Any family, anything? And the lady of the house is like, nope, nobody here. Not at all. Lying to him because the niece did come. Yes. And she has been a full-on zombie, and she takes out the whole of the house. So now Bingley gets it, and I think that's really, really cute. Well, I don't. You see, I don't think that would stop Miss. I, I find Mrs. Bennett's basically. I know we're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, but I've still got to get these five girls married. I love it because actually, I, I actually, she's my favorite in terms of maternal characterizations of Mrs. Bennett. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the best. Agreed. And I, and I love that actress. I mean, from Bridget Jones to this. She's done a lot of Darcy, that poor woman. She's, she's been in a lot of Darcy-esque films. She has. That's true. I didn't even think about that. You're right. She's one of the friends in Bridget Jones' she Diary. Is, she is. I've seen her in a lot of things. I also saw her in, I, I think she's been in Midsummer Murders. And I watch a lot of British um, British shows because we get them. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's, she's wonderful. And, and I, I think the fact that she's basically like, it's very much, I've still got to get these girls married. It does not matter mm-hmm. that London is falling to zombie attack. Her focus is very, very clear. They still have to get married. That's it. Yeah. That's it. They have. They can still... It's so funny because so they set up the whole universe with sort of like this picture book situation. And it's like, zombies happened. I don't remember how, but I feel like it was blamed on Native Americans from America. I don't it, know. It was blamed on love that. And, and colonials coming back to England and, and or, or the French possibly. Okay. And frankly, you can, you know, so not a lot has changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Still, people still there throwing virus slurs at new migrants and whatnot. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, this has happened. And so now all of like the aristocracy is sending their kids over to the Far East, um, generally Japan, if you're very rich. And then China is looked at as like the, the lower class, you know, like the middle class where you send people, um, to get schooled in the deadly arts. But Mr. Bennett was like, I feel like, the Chinese schools are better, they're more deadly, and like, you know, they're not tailored to being like, you know, pansy-ass aristocracy. And so he sent his girls there, and they are fierce as fuck. So all of the country estates are like boarded up, and you know, they're, what's they're like barricaded. And like little fortresses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And then there's this um, in-between. There's this, like, land that's in-between London and then, like, the rest of England. So 
they're like fortifying everything. So we we enter the parlor of the Bennets, and thematically, this is perfect because the girls are sitting there and they're like their hands are moving really fast, and you're like, oh look, they're still cross stitching, great. But then when you really look, they're like cleaning weapons and sharpening swords and like doing all this badass stuff. It's so good. It made me really happy. Then Mrs. Bennett is like, there's a new guy in town. His name is Bingley. He has monies, apparently. And I don't care how many undead are knocking at our door. We will have weddings in this house. (laughs) I I love it. I I love the answer. But but in a way, it kind of works because she's fierce, too, just in a different direction. Exactly. And I actually think that 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 was nice to see because I don't think it's acknowledged enough in the ones where they play her for a fool. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say Austin based her on her own mother who was really annoying and demanding, but to be fair, she 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 birthed seven kids in like nine years. That's going to make you a little shitty. It is. Yeah, that much stuff. loss of sleep is not good for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Austin was terribly kind to women of that sort of vintage, possibly because she never understood what that felt like. Most definitely. Well, I always feel like in my favorite adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, Mrs. Bennett is often played as a fool for a lot of the movie or the show or whatever. Mm. But then there's always that moment. It wasn't in this one, but I think it's because they made her more competent overall. But there's always that moment when she and Lizzie talk and she's like, the best way that I can protect you is to get you married. Mm. That is the only reason I'm like this is because society is basically set up that you will have zero protections, you will have zero money, you will have zero standing on this earth unless you marry well. And so, sorry, I'm going to be a little intense, you know? And I always love that moment. No matter how, you know, the conversation happens, I love that moment because it, it is, it's very like... She is looking out for her daughters. She's going to be histrionic. She's going to be utterly ridiculous. She's going to have schemes that get you the flu, but she's looking out for your best interests. (laughs) She's also cognizant of the fact that the estate is entailed away from her. And so when he dies, when her husband dies, they have no home because Mr. Collins, only if he allows them to remain in the home will they have a home. Right. Otherwise, they're gone. Where are they going to go? And right. unless the girls are married and they can go and live with their sisters, which happens quite a lot, or happened quite a lot mm-hmm. back then, they are homeless. And it's not right. unmaternal to be concerned for that. No, certainly not. That's the part I find most interesting about the zombie film. It reminded me of the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing in a little way. Maybe it's just the maps and the line on the maps when they're... Oh, sure, sure, sure. Or even a little Pirates of the Caribbean. There's clearly a swashbuckly adventure kind of bit to it. Oh, yeah. And that part juxtaposed with the fact that Regency England is still getting on with tea and wigs. Oh, yeah. And weddings and matchmaking and balls. And my daughter's like, why would you have a ball when there's a zombie at the gate? I'm like, because that's what they did. And she's like, well, that's just stupid. (laughs) <laughs> she's well, not maybe, wrong but it's what they did and when it's and true. When she's like i don't understand why they need to get married they've got knives in their garters <laughs> I don't, the two the two concepts for her did not hold together oh i love that i'm like yeah i because, love that because the i explained to her the whole point of mr collins and she said yeah i don't think he'd make much of a husband 
And that little mm-hmm. moment at the end, I don't know if anyone remembers at the end where he has almost a Freudian slip where he's marrying them and he is like, oh, I may now kiss Darcy. Oh, you may kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you may now kiss the bride, not Darcy. <laughs> it's so cute. Yes. Okay, so Mrs. Mrs. Bennett is like, yeah. there's a dance. I bet we're going to meet Bingley there. So we're going to go. And like, husband, you need to give me permission because this is still England times and that's what's happening, no matter the zombies. And he's like, well, I don't think they'll be very good dancers with masticated brains, which I just loved. And Lizzie doesn't want to go, but they go. And now it's dance time. And so we meet Bingley. We meet Darcy. Darcy is a horse's ass, as, you know, always goes in this scene. Oh, but we also had that that delicious dressing montage you were talking about. Mm. And I really liked the way that they like altered the dresses so that they were they had like overlapping in front, but they were slits so that the women could just pull their dresses aside and then get to the garters with the swords and the knives and all the things. And like it was hot. I'm not going to lie to anybody here. <laughs> I agree. Not only did they have like garters and lace and all the business, but then there were just like leather harnesses all over yeah, their bodies and the, <laughs> and the scabbards. And I mean, you know, a lady whipping out her sword to that's cool. That is very cool. Darcy's hottest moment is where he blows the head off one as it's about to go. You know, even though we know Lizzie's got knives, he doesn't. It's cool. It's good stuff. All right. So then Lizzie says she doesn't want to get married especially since she does not want to relinquish her sword or her weapons for a ring. Because apparently in this universe, that's a lot of times what husbands expect. Even though you're well-trained or whatever, you have to stop fighting and like not have blades in the house or whatever, which seems insane to me, but cool. So she's like, I'm not going to get married because then I can't lop the heads off of the undead. That's much cooler. <laughs> I think that it's part very of the, that is also she doesn't trust the husband, just doesn't trust just a bloke to protect her. Of course. And and you can sort of understand. I mean, it's not shown as well in this, but in the book, Mr. Bennett doesn't protect his daughters terribly well. He just doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's why Lydia gets into the problem, into the situation she does. And that's that's the, yeah. that's the biggest departure in in the film. <laughs> okay. And then the biggest departure is the zombies. But um, – <laughs> other than the zombies not wise the difference in that that whole that whole from that point the movie is completely divorced from the book where um, <laughs> it's not that she elopes with wick i mean he literally abducts her and takes him to the whole st lazarus in the fields church right just to draw darcy out and my daughter's like wait a minute he's keeping a live girl she's going to be food he's taking her for food which was actually a lot easier for me to explain than sex so Okay. Ah. I'm like, cause I, yeah, because I actually didn't know she was going to watch it. I was watching it and she was wandering in and out and then she suddenly sat down to join me because I thought, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't like Austin. She'll, she won't watch. But she did. And and I thought, oh, now I have to explain why Wickham took Lydia. And then I thought, oh, no, I don't. I just have to explain that she has a fresh brain and that'll do. That's right. We can just kick the can down the road for that conversation. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle explaining violence and the pandemic, just not bonky, not yet. Uh. HBs, have you heard of Radish? They're sponsoring today's episode, and I'm so excited I get to tell you all about them. Radish is an app compatible with Apple and... Oh boy. It's July, folks. That means new Bonkers Book Club selections. 
And let me tell you, our cup runneth over. First, there's a historical smorgasbord. You get the entire box set of Nicola Davidson's Surrey SFS series. If you're not familiar, that stands for Sexual Freedom Society. This box set includes five ridiculously spicy historicals with a variety of gender pairings and trios and so much more that makes my heart sing. Then Jenny and Katie are offering up one of their all-time favorites, Brutal Prince by Sophie Lark. That's the mafia book where the heroine accidentally sets the hero's house on fire and then makes sure her mouth is full of strawberries because she knows he's extremely allergic. Best wedding kiss ever, right? And then we decided to do a little bonus. We wanted to see if audiobooks are something you'd like as part of book club. And Kay Lorraine and Meg Ann have a series called The Mate Games. You get to listen to book one, Obsession. It's a paranormal reverse harem that's done with duet narration. And the cast of narrators is insanely good. So Joybringers have tons to look forward to. If you want to join, check out our website. The link is in the show notes. Dare he... And so she's outside looking at a bunch of, um, or, or she's outside at a little fire pit, and up behind her becomes Mrs. Featherston, the lady who made all the terrible choices at the whist party mm. and had to give up Netherfield because she is no longer living. And she wants to tell Lizzie something, but boom, kapow, Darcy blows her head off from like, I don't know, 20 paces away. And... Lizzie is very like, hey, she wasn't attacking me. Like, she was actually trying to have a conversation with me. Weird. I know. But she was trying to tell me something. And he's like, I just saved your life. Then there's like a big zombie attack inside. And this is when Darcy gets a total competence boner. Because Lizzie and all of her sisters just like get their blades out. And they go into the ball and they just start lopping off zombies left and right and center. And they're doing a slash and they're doing a, a spin kick and they're like, they're like bouncing off of each other. It's so good. It's so hot the way that these, man. And Darcy thinks so too. He says something like, wow, now that I look at her again, like as she's fighting and murdering all these zombies. He's like, look at her intelligent dark eyes and her lithe figure and her muscular yet feminine arms. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> that, that line is hilarious to me because that's very, that's very comic book, that line. I, I, it is. Yeah. that's Because uh, my, my daughter's like, that's not in the book, surely. I'm like, no, no Regency era man would ever say that. And certainly Austin would never write that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, she, she, no. Her, her biggest beef was that sitting next to me all the time, I'm going, that's not in the book. That's, and she's like, I don't care. Shut up, Mom. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And then one of my other favorite things is that in a in a straight Pride and Pre Prejudice screen adaptation, we would go from Ball to Lizzie and Jane, like 
picking flowers outside or going on a long ramble out in the countryside. But now, anytime they're talking about boys or advancing the plot further or like doing exposition or something, they're full on sparring. Mm. They're kicking the shit out of each other in their cellar. (laughs) And it's the best thing in the whole wide world. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that. I love that they do that. And that's just what they like. And their mother's going, oh, I wish they wouldn't. And and dad's like, well, it's what I'm paid for. So knock yourselves out kind of thing. And it's kind of because they actually depicted as rather undisciplined and untrained in the original book and all the other adaptations. But Mm. in this one, that's actually because remember, there's a whole conversation in the book, in the original book, where Catherine de Berg and Lizzie, where they talk about how they've not had governesses and they've not had masters and they've not had the best yes. of training. And here it's quite clear that they are trained, just not in lady things like flowers and yeah. and screen printing. But can they kick down a house? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also, I liked the wrinkle that they added in there that like they're trained and they're trained very well, but they're not trained in the style that most aristocrats look for and go toward right because like there's a scene later on where where she's like oh i'm sorry i know you weren't trained in japan and she's like nope i was trained in you know this this province of china and like blah 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 and so i like that there's still something even though they are very trained mm-hmm. there's still something that snobs can look down on them and she about. Quite, quite, she's a it's a chinese text it's not a japanese text and and she was trained by the shaolin monks who are known as warrior monks I don't know if they were known yeah. then, but certainly know now. And um, she quotes something at Darcy and doesn't quite understand it because he doesn't speak Chinese. Yeah. She's like, oh, have you read The Art of War? And then she goes, D- have you read it in the, the original dialect? And he was like, no, I haven't. And so then in Chinese, she looks at him and she goes, then you have not read The Art of War. Ooh, I know it's sexy. nice. I- Look, my, my some of my favourite moments are basically the part where she, I don't know if I should say this yet, I'm, I'm making a spoiler. My favourite moment is when her sister's lying ill and he's concerned. Am I jumping ahead? No, we're basically there. So uh, Jane has gone over, but instead of like rain or whatever else, she gets attacked by zombies. Um, she doesn't get bit or anything, but be- she does get sick. She gets like a fever. musket backfires so, into her hand yes. and Darcy thinks she's been bitten by a zombie. He's worried. And so mm-hmm. they all like lock the doors, don't let her out. And then Lizzie comes over to see how she is. And he lets his flies out. And basically she catches his flies and crushes them in her hand. And I personally think that's her moment where she's not tolerable enough to attempt me. And I'm like, really? Well, I have your flies in my hand and I'm crushing them. That's right. For me, that works. <laughs> that's what I would it, do. It worked and so it well. <laughs> <laughs> right i think it would be testicles listener i'm pretty sure it would be testicles i was that, I, I, I was i was yeah. definitely so so yeah she catches all of his flies and then she crushes them because she's basically like you know get off my sister you're not you're not gonna do any of that nonsense and then that night at cards that's when Bingley's sister is being a total douche and she's like, you know, you weren't trained in Japan and they have the same conversation about accomplished young women. And Lizzie in this adaptation, her point is that you can't be accomplished in both the deadly arts and the feminine arts. Like you can't be refined mm-hmm. and a warrior. So like pick one and she's going to pick 
the deadly arts. And boy, Darcy, he's got a big competence boner. Oh my God. Oh, there's a moment. Oh my God. I love this too. There's a moment when she's talking to Bingley's sister and she's like, oh, will you, let, why don't you tell us about your cute little, you know, Chinese training? And she looks at her very seriously and she goes, I'd much rather give you a demonstration. Yeah. I, that's the, that's, that's the, and, and I go, that's the Lizzie Bennett way of saying, I'll meet you in the car park out back of the box. That's right. And I love that moment. <laughs> Me too. I also like how, like, I mean, not once do you see Caroline Bingley pick up a weapon and she might, oh, no. she might be well read, which she clearly isn't. And she might arrange beautiful flowers, but. Yeah. That's one of the biggest differences in that first scene at the ball, because Darcy and Bingley are like, oh, ladies, let's get you off to the side. And he grabs the sisters and puts them off to the side. Meanwhile, Lizzie and the rest of her sisters are like marching into the fray mm. in like battle formation. And so it's, I don't know. I loved it. I love, I love this. Yeah, I, I love, love this adaptation. We don't need your protection, but we could use your help. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it's a very different energy from protect the delicate ladies who are at the mercy of every chancer and bounder out there. And who don't know any better. Right. And I think right. that's why they had to change the parents subtly from how they presented. Because yeah. you couldn't have girls so self-possessed with parents that didn't demonstrate that at least to a degree. Right. Absolutely. Mr. Bennett is, I think, one of the most diff- the big one of the biggest differences comes from Mr. Bennett. But to be fair, I think people are very harsh on him because in all the Jane Austen fan clubs and stuff, I mean, when people go, Mr. Bennett is, is just disinterested. I'm like, I don't think he's that different to a Regency gentleman that leaves the raising of his daughters to his wife. It's really not that bizarre. Right. It's really not that out there. Yeah. And if one of them needs something like a governess, he would have expected probably that his wife would come and say, I think we need a governess. Not that he right, would have had right. to go there himself, busy, you know, and that doesn't happen. Both of them are terribly flawed parents, but, you know, who's perfect? <laughs> Yeah. And it made for very self-possessed daughters because I think that can go both ways, right? You can either get children who are like totally incompetent or you can get children who are very, very independent Mm. and competent because their parents are such messes. So, yeah, I liked, though, that in this one, both of the parents are pretty on the ball as far as raising them is concerned. Okay, so then the next morning, the mom and the sister show up, but this time there's no tea, there's nothing. Lizzie just like marches a very sick Jane out to the carriage because she's like, I cannot be in their presence anymore. Let's go. Yeah. We brought the carriage, we're going. But also, I think she's mildly concerned that Darcy will take it into his head that her sister has isn't one of the undead and might just stab her. Yeah, completely. Let's get out of here. Yeah, she's like, I, I need to monitor this at home <laughs> where I can make the decisions. So then Collins shows up. He's hilarious. He's fabulous. I seriously think the best thing in the whole film is him. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Talking, but he's, he's a scene stealer. Imagine acting completely. You'd be like, oh, dear, there's no room for him for me. <laughs> no, he takes up the whole place. It's great. And I really love in this one that Collins has all of the conversations that he would have with one of one or other of the parents by themselves. All of those conversations are had in front of all of the girls. For example, instead of walking along with Mrs. Bennett and being like, so Jane is very fair, and Mrs. Bennett going, oh, well, uh, Lizzie's available. Instead, that happens mm. at the fucking dinner I table. I know. It's really uncool. Like, cringe. cringe. <laughs> it's know. so good. But I actually do think Mr. Collins is the type of 
dropkick who would do that. I think you, sorry, that's an Australian expression. (laughs) No, he's a buffoon. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, Matt Smith is a bit too good looking to be completely rejected out of hand. Mm. It's a personal opinion, but I don't think he's unattractive, Mm. whereas all the other Mr. Collinses have been that I've ever seen Mm -hmm. in adaptations. I mean, but Mrs. Bennett does that a lot. She's like, well, Lizzie's nearly as pretty as Jane. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's lovely. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I love the moment where she's like, Jane is taken, but Lizzie's available. And he looks over at her and says out loud in front of all the girls, so there's really no room for negotiation about Jane. (laughs) And then has to be like, oh, Lizzie is almost as pretty. You're totally right. It's great. I do think people... I don't know, Mrs. Bennett wanting Lizzie to marry Mr. Collins or one of her daughters, that's not terrible. I mean, people are like, oh, she'll grab anything. Well, yeah, but it also means her family's protected. They keep their home if that happens. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, you could argue Lizzie's incredibly selfish, but not really. I mean, she was just, she doesn't want to be married to someone she doesn't actually respect or like for the rest of her life. And that's Mm -hmm. fair enough. But marrying him would secure her family's home and future. Right. And it's not, it's not a terrible thing to want, even though, Miss, Mrs. Bennett gets a very raw deal for chasing that drink. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, she gets she gets screwed on that one. And only a complete buffoon like Mr. Collins would insist Lizzie give up her knives. Or- yeah, because that's what happens as they walk to Meriden. He says, oh, Lizzie, we should look at all the shops and see if we can find some pots and pans to, to replace your swords and knives. And she's like, I will murder you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> And this is one of the scenes where we see that zombies have a modicum of intelligence at the very least, because as they walk by, a zombie has like laid a trap. And so she's in a turn, an overturned carriage and she's like, help me, help me, help me. And then when they don't like open the door in time, she opens it full zombie and she's like, wow, everybody, a terrible thing happened, but I did survive. And everybody's like, no, not quite, not really. And then they blow her head right off. Yeah. It's good stuff. I, I had to watch it because I watched it a couple of times. It was only the second time that I realized there's some, they don't become entirely unhuman right away. Firstly, they have to kill something in order to do that. And they only lose it when they feast on human brains. Right. Which is why the zombies at the Church of St. Lazarus in the fields is they're not they're, they're not fine. as bad yet because they've only been eating yeah. animal brains and that's the whole Wickham thing. That wasn't obvious. Like I didn't quite get that initially. I had to watch it a couple of mm. times. And maybe it's I'll be honest, I haven't read the whole book because as a book, it's not something I would read. I, I actually I, ah. I don't like horror. I never read it and I never watch it. I've never read a single Stephen King novel. I freely acknowledge that he's a wonderful writer. I cannot read him. Sure. I've got friends who are obsessed with Pennywise and stuff, and I mm-hmm. I freely admit that I do find clowns incredibly unfunny and creepy. So, no. I mean, yeah. Not done anything in the yeah. horror world. Not scared, <laughs> just not going there. So, maybe I am scared. I don't know, but I don't. Right. And, like, maybe you just don't want to find out, and that's okay. This is you as can, close to horror as I'm romance. ever likely to get. And that's only because they <laughs> stuck corsets and carriages and pocket watches, and I cannot resist those things. <laughs> so that cool. I'll put up with a little brain feeding undead. It's fine. All right. So they meet Wickham. He tells her the story about Darcy being an awful, terrible face to him and screwing him out of his whole inheritance and the whole thing. And then she's like, Oh, Mr. Wickham, are you going to the ball that Mr. Bingley is throwing? And he's like, Oh, like I'll try. And I really liked this. 
because it's another departure. Yes, it is. From the book. I was like, she's looking all around for him. And I was like, Lizzie, stop looking. He's not there. And then all of a sudden, he's there. He has to be there because he lets the zombie thing. Shh. Yes. Yeah, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. And so even in this version, she gets completely humiliated by Mr. Collins's dancing and the way that he wants to, like, you know, be her fiance at the ball and stay very close to her. <laughs> I know, right? She and Darcy don't dance in this version, mm. but it's because instead they kill zombies together. You know, it's so much more romantic. It's so beautiful in this version. Like, that's what they, that, that is what both of them love to do. And they get to team up on that nonsense. It's great. So basically, Darcy does overhear the mom being crass about marrying well. And then she runs into Mr. Bingley and they notice that there's like a thump and a squish and like a bite and a murder behind another door. And so they're like, oh, shit, it's zombie time. So they go down there. Bingley is completely incompetent and he falls down and hits his head and passes out or like goes unconscious. And so Lizzie is fending off some of some of the zombies. And then Darcy jumps from an upstairs balcony down. That's his confidence. To murder him. Oh my God. It's so good. So he kills all the zombies. And then he's poised above Bingley and he's like, did he get bitten? He's like, ready to stab him. He's like, Lizzie, did he get bitten? And she's like, no, put your, stop trying to kill everyone that you and I both love at the drop of a hat. He just got knocked out. And so Darcy picks Bingley up and and starts to take him away. And she says, um... Oh, your warrior skills are yes. beyond reproach. If only you were a better friend. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Oh, And man. that really gets him in the gut because he really is very fond of being there. He loves being there. He doesn't have any other friends. Truly. I mean, mm. you know. So then Collins proposes. It goes exactly how it should. <laughs> Lizzie's like, no, no, get away from me, please. Get as far away from me as possible. But then she does something that Lizzie Bennett in this story would never do. I'm sorry. I call bullshit on this nonsense. She she gets into that fight with her mom and dad, and her dad does the whole, like, you have to be estranged from one of your parents. Nothing sums Mr. and Mrs. Bennett up more than that one. It's true. From this moment on, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. Uh-huh. Father will never speak to you if, you if you don't marry him, and I will never speak to you again if you do. My daughter was looking oh. at you and, ha! You tell. That's right. So then she gets so mad and she's like, Mm. the one thing that's worse than anything else is I will never have a marriage without affection. And then she goes off into the fucking woods with no weapons whatsoever. That's a Lydia thing to do. That's like. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing, uh, an impassioned but younger. It's a childish thing to do. And she does not behave that way. It's in. I agree. Exactly. But of course, that's just to set up the going to visit. And then we have the the long ride. And also, I'm sorry, I don't care how handsome he is and how much you like Wickham and he likes you. You are not going to get on a horse with a strange man and go riding over the only bridge. I'm sorry, but no. I know, right? Lydia would, Fitty would, maybe even Mary, even Georgiana because she's young, but not Lizzie. Oh, sweet Georgiana. Bless her. Not Lizzie. She would just would not. 
get in. I know. With a strange man, you'd have to marry him. Yeah, this scene is very odd because she runs into Wickham in the woods and he's like, I had to show you my favorite place on the planet that I've never shown anyone in my life. Can I just point out, he's hanging out in a cemetery and she doesn't think that's odd in a world where half the people are undead. I'm just saying. Yeah, right. Lizzie, come on. The guy's picking you up in a cemetery and he's not even dressed as a goth. I think twice. I would. Listen, she's a little dickmatized. All right, you gotta <laughs> you gotta leave her alone. She's going through it right now. She doesn't know what to do with herself. She has her first crush. She's been proposed to by her cousin. Mind you, that's these days that'd be enough to throw anybody. Exactly. So he takes her to a church that's very appropriately named the Church of St. Lazarus. Mm. And there's a metric fuck ton of uh, zombies there, but they're all like totally rational and like joking around and they're doing the communion thing. But he tells her that because they haven't feasted on human brains, they are they are subsisting on pig brains. Because of that, they're fine. Like they're still sort of people. They're just like decaying slowly. And she's like, whoa, that's crazy. And he says, I think this is the only way that we get peace. We need to convince the rest of the aristocrats to like work with them. Are you saying we have to live with the epidemic? I'm just putting that out there. It is. It's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Letting that one sit there for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, this could be the key. And then she goes to Lady Catherine de Berg's because she has to be. This iteration of Catherine de Berg is fabulous. Um, she's perfect I, look i love judy dench and I, I love the one from the 1995 whose name escapes me i'm sorry because she's wonderful that's actress. fine but yeah she's just half a pirate in this one and i just think that's fabulous and there should be more ladies with an eye patch who wear oh. pantaloons and can wield a saber she's the best swordsman in all of england so she's serious business all right, so they go to Lady Catherine de Berg's and Darcy is very suddenly there. But also, Wickham is very suddenly there, which is another departure. Well, yeah, Lizzie got her in the audience to meet her, to hear his idea for how to coexist with the pandemic. Oh, uh-huh. Sorry. <laughs> It's true. And Darcy's like, no, bitch, get out of here. You're a dummy. I don't like you. And Lizzie says, um, Lizzie looks over at him and he says, she says, Mr. Darcy, you are as unfeeling as the undead. (laughs) So good. And he takes this as leave to propose to her, like not five minutes later, but whatever. Um, I know. Sweet, sweet boy. He doesn't really pick up on all the social cues, you know? I think if he were around today, he'd probably be on the spectrum along with me and loads of other people. So Yeah. I, I think it's quite clear that, he, that there's a little disconnect there. Mm-hmm. It's less obvious when you make 10000 a year. and leap When you're a gajillionaire. High, leap from high staircases and have pretty brown eyes. Ah, oh, it's true. Less when you're that good with a sword. There's a little sword joke that I, I, I'm trying to remember now that I – Every time they make it, I giggle because it's clearly a dick joke. And I, I, I don't think mm. enough of that in, in films like this. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes outside and she sees Wickham. He's like, run away with me. And then Wickham also tells Darcy that, uh, or she he tells, okay. Wickham also tells Lizzie that Darcy is the one who messed up Jane's whole future by convincing Bingley to leave. And so, you know, Lizzie's like big mad about this, and I get it. But now we get to the absolute, the absolute hands down best version 
of this proposal and refusal. Definitely. It it is delicious from start to finish. And it's the hottest scene in the whole film. It's so hot. So, listener, picture this. The whole scene happens exactly the way you've seen it in every adaptation. He says, against my better judgment, I am the violence of my affections, all of that. She says the whole, if I were grateful, I would say thank you. You know, all of that happens. They get to, as soon as I saw you, I knew you were the last man on the earth that I would ever be prevailed, be prevailed upon to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all of that happens. Every single one of those lines happen. But it happens while they, while she's super fighting him. First, it starts with books. She's throwing books across the room. Then she picks up a fire poker and she's, she's actually trying to take off his head. He's doing defensive maneuvers, but then a lot of those defensive maneuvers are like kicking her feet out from under her and then they're like rolling on the ground together. She picks up a dagger from a desk and like just to show him that she can kill him at any moment, she cuts the buttons off of his waistcoat all the way down. And then he does this maneuver where with the same dagger that she's still holding, he makes her move in a way that cuts all of the all of the seams down the front of her bodice. And so now her tits are out a little bit. Listener. This scene is incredible. There are so many times when they're like rolling on the floor and then he ends up pinning her down. Oh, it's the best. This is the only way to have this scene. I agree. I agree. And in fact, all proposals from now on to eternity should be delivered in just this manner. I agree. And frankly, if the guy does not cut open your bodice and you do not cut open his waistcoat buttons, I have serious doubts about the validity of the relationship. I don't think it's going to last. Yeah, me neither. Agreed. And if, if you can't get your dagger out of your garter, get your gowns redesigned now. That's right. So, That's right. I mean, Clive, no wonder the divorce rates are at 50%. Absolutely. We're not cutting buttons. We're not. We're not cutting buttons. We're not wrestling. Buttons. It's true. And we're not fighting off zombies. We're doing it all wrong. My God. We're doing ones. everything wrong. <laughs> okay. So then she gets the letter that basically is like, hey, listen, hurting Jane was a big whoopsie on my part. Totally misread the situation. And also Wickham's a big giant liar who lies. And here's what happened there. And then he says, I have un- I understand now that I will never be able to win your affections. And so I'm throwing myself into battle. <laughs> And so he goes to London because there's like a big zombie attack. And interestingly enough, it's an organized zombie attack. They've taken the palace, they've taken the parliaments, and then they've taken the city. And earlier when Wickham was doing his big presentation to Mary, uh, Lady Catherine de Bourgh, he says that they're able to be led. Mm. And if the zombies are led, then the humans are fucked. Because there are way more zombies and they can create more zombies way faster than humans can procreate. And then somebody's like, yeah, okay. They're just like looking for a leader. And then Mr. Collins says, well, actually, in the book of Revelations, it does say that like the Antichrist is going to lead the dead or something like that. 
And so I really love that in this adaptation, Wickham is the Antichrist. I love it. <laughs> well, I, I li- kind of like that he sort of sets himself up as a little zombie Napoleon. Yeah. And I actually think that that's, that, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. I thought, oh, he's trotting around raising the little army. <laughs> it's true. Or because they won't fund his dream of zombies coexisting peacefully beside him. Right. But, yeah, nobody trusts him anyway. So, so now Wickham runs off with Lydia. Yeah. And everybody thinks that they've, like, run off to get married or whatever. Because remember, he tried to pull the same shit with Lizzie. He definitely said, let's run away together. Mm. So then Lady Catherine shows up. And this is also the best version of this scene, hands down forever. It's never going to be done better because of two big departures. When Lizzie won't promise not to marry Darcy. Well, that, that is that is in the book. Yeah. No, no, no. I yeah. know. No, yeah. So, but when she does that, Lady Catherine is like, okay, then we're going to fight. And she's like, I can't fight you. You're like a big lady and stuff. Like, that's illegal in England or something. And she's like, great, then fight my proxy. And he's like this six, six, giant warrior man guy. And Lizzie has a hard time, but she does beat him. And then Lena Hetty comes over, or Hedy, I don't know how to say her name. She comes over. And she's got Lizzie, like, with a dagger at her throat or something. And she says, I don't know what's more impressive, your skill as a warrior or your resolve as a woman. And then she totally wins over Lady Catherine. It's good. It's great. That's the only logical conclusion for the way they've written that character. It wouldn't have made sense if she'd gone off with her, I am most seriously displeased with it. Obstinate has, that wouldn't have worked. Because obviously she's obstinate, obviously she's headstrong, and obviously in this situation, those are massive pluses. Yes, absolutely. And so I I fucking love that departure. I love that Lady Catherine de Bourgh is like, girl power, let's go. We are sisters in the deadly arts. Big respect for you. Welcome to the family, basically. Um, To the point that she says like, okay, you and Jane go get Lydia in the in-between because Lizzie knows that she got taken to the Church of Lazarus. And Lady Catherine is going to take the rest of her family to her house because it's the safest place in England. Mm. Man, it's so good. The other thing I really like is when Lady Catherine comes to the door, basically she comes upon Lizzie and what's Lizzie doing? Is she is she stressing about Darcy? Is she worrying about Lydia? No, she's armoring up. She's putting on a battle corset and getting ready. She's putting she's lacing herself into a leather leather bodice as as one does. As one must. As one you know. Must. And, and <laughs> you know, so Lady Catherine walks in and she's like prepping for battle. She's not she's not girling. She's, right. She's warrior going. Mm-hmm. So. It's delicious. It's so good. Hey, HBs. Do you need something to brighten up your Thursdays? My new podcast, Bonkers Romance, is just the thing. Each week, Jenny Nordback and I have a guest from Romancelandia, and we recap a bonkers romance while celebrating the joy we get from books that take it to the extreme in one way or another. So far, you can listen to the first five episodes, including Sierra Simone with spider aliens, Naima Simone with orcs, Sarah McLean with masquerade mask sex, and Abby Jimenez with a whole ass prison planet. This week, we're talking about a smoke monster with Danny from Black Chicklet. Bonkers Romance has been so much fun to create, so come listen. You can find us wherever you're listening right now and at bonkersromance.com. See you Thursday. 
So now they ride off to the in-between together, Jane and Lizzie. And so Jane sees Bingley, like, trying to be a soldier, but being really bad at <laughs> it. Pretty. You know? He's too pretty to He's too pretty. He's pretty to <laughs> he really is that. He's a very pretty boy. He should be in more things. I must look him up. Yeah, seriously. Like, he's trying to bomb a bunch of zombies, but one of them grabs his cravat. Yeah, because, of like, course, you go to war with a scarf on, dude. Yeah. Women know to tie their hair up, but you're wearing a scarf. I'm just saying. <laughs> so Jane comes out of nowhere, comes out of the mist, and cuts the cravat off, and then they blow up onto each other, and she's on top of him, and she's like, Mr. Bingley. And he's like, Miss Bennett. It's it's a big romance. And then basically the same thing happens because Darcy ends up in an unmarked zombie grave area field situation. And they're all, yeah, and they're all like coming up from the ground. And one of them's about to get him, but then Lizzie blows his fucking head off from behind him. It's great. So both boys are saved by the ladies. And then they start stabbing the ground to kill all the zombies that are trying to wake up, which I just found really oddly charming. The way these two just like teamed up well, to, I, I think it, <laughs> to very lazily it murder has, zombies. It's almost like they're planting roses, but they're planting blades. Exactly. No. It's so cute. Yeah. So then Lizzie tells Darcy about Lydia. And he's like, oh, no, the Church of St. Lazarus, you say? I saw that get blown to smithereens just like yesterday. Like you just missed her, you know? And she's super dead. There's no way that she could have survived it. So you really just need to like go back to safety, probably. And um, I'll do the same thing. And she's like, huh, that's not suspicious at all. And she realizes afterward that he has talked to Bingley and they've set their watches together, which I also find found really charming. And he's like, Bingley, at dawn, no matter what happens, you have to blow up the bridge. No matter who's on the right side of it and who's stuck in the in-between, you have to blow up the bridge. And it's the very, very last bridge. Um, And so he takes this big sack and he gets on a horse and he rides away. And what we find out is that he is going to go to Lazarus to sabotage all the aristocratic zombies by tricking them into eating human brains and going full zombie, like, without their permission. So Lizzie also figures this out and, like, goes riding after him. Darcy gets there, and he gets those brains into the what's supposed to be pig brain communion situations. And then he goes down into, like, this basement situation. Listen, it was very sexy. It was, there was a bunch of torches, and there were there were iron bars everywhere. There was, like, a cell. He was sneaking around, trying to avoid guards oh. and things. He had a oh, yeah. the leather coat, which definitely isn't oh, in yeah. any other adaptation, but really, really needs to be everywhere. We all need a leather coat. Oh, completely agree with you. Yeah, not only is he wearing a leather coat, but he's being a slinky man. You're right. He's slinking so well. And everybody knows. A little spy. Yeah, everybody knows how Heaving Bosoms feels about a slinky man. (laughs) So it's in the title. He goes down there. It's right in the title, Heaving Bosoms. That's right. So he finds Lydia, who's chained up, and she's like, I was tricked. He promised me sex, and then he <laughs> he chained me up, and then we didn't even sex. And it's really rude. <laughs> and Darcy's like, oh, you sweet summer child. We got to get you out of here. 
And Wickham comes down and he's like, let me tell you about my master plan. I am the guy who's organizing all the zombies and we're definitely going to take over the whole world and nobody can stop us. And like, and like, oh, I knew that your affinity for the Bennett sisters would like draw you out here. And it's super cute. But then... They get overrun by the giant horde that has eaten all the human brains accidentally. And Darcy gets Lydia out of there. Then he puts Lydia on a horse. And he's like, Lydia, do not stop riding until you get over that bridge. And she's like, cool, man. I gotta go. All like Every man for himself, Lydia's out. (laughs) She does not care. And he starts fighting. I don't know what he was like planning to do. I think Why did he stay? I think that's the because when when they're having this scene in their dungeon, let's call it what it is because it sounds. Let's call it what it is. Uh. The dungeon. Wickham and he have this conversation on one's on. He's inside the cage with Lydia because he's pulling he's pulling the grill off, getting his horse to pull the grill yes. to get her out, which is sensible because all the crazy zombies are on the other side, the same side as Wickham. Yes, very sensible of him to use them basically mm-hmm. weaponize Wickham's actual zombie army, but then. They have this very open conversation where Wickham admits something that everyone suspected who knew how Darcy's father died, which is that Wickham's the one that caused his father to get bitten in the first place so mm-hmm. that Darcy had to kill his own father. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's enough reason for him to want to see the end of Wickham and to hang about. And yeah, I think fair. that's the first moment. that and, and Wickham actually calls him, Wickham calls him Fitz because for those of us who don't know, Darcy's actual first name is Fitzwilliam. Right. Which is why we all call him Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> I personally call him Colin, but that's just me. It's true. 1995, um, best version. Definitely. And he calls him George, George Wickham, and when they're having that whole conversation. And that's when you realize how well they really know each other, how much animosity oh, yeah. there really is between them, and really what Wickham has done to his family. Attempted, almost corrupted his sister, pretty much sentences, forced him to kill his own father. You can see why uh-huh. he'd want to make sure the guy was in the ground and not coming back. Fair. I just think... That once you see him attacked by no less than 50 zombies, and you know that there's a bridge that's going to, like, trap him with those zombies, you can pretty much guarantee that, like, he's toast. You know? But cinematically, I get it. Or maybe he wants to destroy the zombie stronghold so that the rest of London can... England, I should say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's part of it, too. Mm. So he stays behind, and he's like, it's time to do fighty times with Wickham. And then Lizzie gets there and she's like, yay, Lydia, run away, do do your thing. I'm going to go save my man. So then she goes over there. And just as Wickham is about to kill Darcy forever, we find out that Wickham has been a zombie the whole time. And he's like strangling Darcy. And then he's about to come down with a blade like into his face parts. Lizzie comes over riding on a horse and she just cuts off that arm. Oh, it's great stuff. And then she kills Wickham and they start riding off to get over that bridge. Because it's, yeah. Yeah, because it's going to get blowed. So they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, no. And then they see the horse with Lydia. And they're like, oh, hooray, it's Lydia. Wait, where are Lizzie and Darcy? And they're waiting and they're waiting. And then somebody's like, Bingley, we can't wait anymore. And he's like, oh, give the order. And so just as they start blowing this bridge up, clippity-clop, galloping like fiends, Lizzie and Darcy are coming over the bridge. 
And so they're running like just in front of all the explosions that are happening. And man, it's, it's some beautiful, beautiful camera work. It's a diehard moment from to throw in a completely another mashup. It's a diehard moment. It's true. You are right. Oh, that's the perfect reference. My favorite action film ever. I just said. And a really good Christmas movie. It is the, the only Christmas movie I watch. It's an <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it explode, explode, explode. And then there's just like all the, the rubble and the smoke. And the, everybody's like, oh, they're dead forever. What are we going to do? Lizzie and Darcy. Oh, no. But then... The camera pans over and Lizzie like starts coughing and then she gets up and then she starts crawling over to Darcy and she's like over him and she's like, are you alive? She's cradling his head and then she thinks he's fully dead. And so she says, the very first moment I beheld you, my heart was irrevocably gone. And then like she kisses him. And I kind of love this because she thinks he's a full corpse right now and she's still okay with it. She's like, I want to kiss you so bad. I will kiss your corpse, sir. I still think in so many, in a world where so many people are not quite properly dead, you'd want to double check. I'm just saying. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. But like Darcy, Darcy is so incorruptible, you know, that there's just no way that that could happen in Lizzie's brain. So now we go away and there's like a map that's shown or something and we're at Rosings now. And it's obviously a little while later, <laughs> Lady Catherine de Bourgh is sitting up there with Mrs. Bennett. That's hilarious. Again, the so woman who plays Mrs. Bennett, lovely job. She's perfect. A lovely job. Yeah, she's like, so that uh, eye patch, like it looks so good. Like, is it for fashion? fun, like yeah. fashion or function? <laughs> She's doing her best, bless her heart. She's, I mean, she's a good yeah, she's, woman. She's a really good heart. Trying to make conversation with this woman and she has nothing in common. Nothing. I love your pantaloons. Uh, <laughs> but then Bingley comes in and he wants to speak with Jane alone. And so they leave and it's very exciting. Oh, and then Darcy comes in because guess what? He's alive. He didn't die. He was in a coma for a while, but he's alive and he's fine. And then everybody hears Jane cry out in absolute happiness, like, yes, I will marry you. And so everyone goes to leave the room to go congratulate the new couple. Mm. And Mr. Darcy stops Lizzie. Yes, he's fine. She's like dawdling. He's learned to linger. He's finally grown a clue. You know, like the dude who stays late at a house party when to help you clean up. That's finally, <laughs> finally that too. It's so true. Like, and finally Lizzie's been too, dawdling gr- too. Gr- gr- finally grown a clue. This is oh, this is how I do it. Finally, I I, I get it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hang back and okay, cool. But in the bit, like, that, that's his growth right there. That's his character growth over the whole film. It's true. It's learning true. to find the moment and not fuck it up. That's literally his character arc. It is because then he looks at her and he says that you know she saved him in more than one way. And then he says, what you said on the bridge. And she's like, oh, Mm. fuck, you heard that. Oh, no. And he says, it gave me hope, but one word from you would silence me on the subject forever. That old chestnut. And then, oh, God. And so she does not say a word, which was adorable. Like, that, that way of playing that line was so good. So she just like stands there silently looking at him <laughs> and then he yeah. comes up to her. I have a little moment there because she, he says the half 
half fear, half hope thing, which comes from persuasion, which is my favourite, Austin. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that line belongs to Wentworth. Give it back. That was my personal. Oh, it's true. What he says <laughs> is, you are the love of my life, Elizabeth Bennett. So I ha- I ask you now, half in anguish, half in hope, will you do the- me the great honour of taking me for your husband? I also like that he didn't say, will you do me the honour of becoming my wife? Yeah. Will you take me as your husband? Yeah, they they were very conscious when they wrote this screenplay, clearly. Oh, yeah. Of the version of her they're putting out there. Yeah. They they could have just made it a huge B-grade slasher thing, but they didn't. Yeah. It's actually quite clever, and that's why I like it. It's so good. And then Mr. Collins does that double wedding, and instead, at the very end, he says, (laughs) and now you may kiss Mr. Darcy, the bride. You may kiss the brides. <laughs> and it's perfect. Basically confused Parson. Oh, he's so cute. Oh my gosh. This is oh, and like I forgot. When they go out and after the wedding and it's not quite over. Like I almost oh, I yeah. almost finished and my daughter went, No, 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 no. Something's happening. I'm like, yeah, that's the setup setting up because there's three books and there's only one film. So get onto it, people. Wait, did I miss something at the end? The, the, at the very end, after the credits. Easter egg. I didn't see that. What happens after the credits? Wickham's zombie army's coming at them and they all, uh, uh, Darcy and Lizzie look at each other and they get their weapons out and it freezes. You missed that? You missed that? I missed it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and watch it. I missed it. I didn't know there was an end credit scene. Oh, I I, I, I knew it. I forgot when I watched it this morning and then like I was just about to get up and come log on and um, (laughs) my daughter's like, no, no, something's happening. Oh my God. She's like, how is he not dead? Come on, kill him already. Okay. Oh, it's so good. So I'm assuming that's a set up the sequel. There's been talk about a sequel ever since the first one did so well, but I don't know. There's three books. And I think by the third book, that closes it all off. The third book is is called Dreadfully Ever After, I think. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> nice work. Very nice. Work. <laughs> uh, I appreciate I appreciate the pun. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, in this, in the third one, they're just trying to get on with their lives, but there's still stuff coming up from the from from beyond the grave. Wickham is very hard yeah. to kill because he is, after all, a zombie. Absolutely, man. This is my favorite version. I love it. It's the sexiest. Definitely, um, it's the most badass. We left out the lake moment, which is has no place in the story at all. But the fact that they no. dropped it in there for us, thank you. Don't and you could have yeah. left it out. It would have been fine, but thank you. It was a nice homage it to was. that moment when Colin Firth did dive into that pond. <laughs> and I, I, I appreciate that there's absolutely like there's no reason for him to do it. He hasn't just got like no. in, in in the 1995 version, he's just gotten off a horse after a very long hot ride. Fair enough. That's not actually why he does it in this. <laughs> just feel it's like he literally did it to yeah. But I understand also yeah. the impetus because in my debut novel, I did that exact thing. They have a, a dip in a lake, and someone said, "Why is that there?" I'm like. Yeah, don't ask me that. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be. It's there You're for not Colin. in the okay, know. It's there for Colin. I put it there for Colin. <laughs> the second time I appreciated the music more. The music is awesome. Yeah, the music is very good. Yeah, it's jaunty. It's super fresh. I really like it. Yeah. It's really good stuff. And it's, it adds to the sexiness, I feel, especially, especially in the dungeon scene, which I'm going to keep calling it that, the dungeon scene. It's a dungeon scene. Lydia, yeah. Lydia chained in a dungeon, a virgin chained in a dungeon. That's an homage it's to, true. to quite a lot, really. <laughs> yeah. Plus, like, I mean, Fitz and George, you know, they've definitely had moments throughout their childhood where, like, they didn't know whether or not they were going to kiss. So, 
you know, I'm glad I'm glad they had their their sweet little dungeon scene. That's all in my head, you know. That's definitely Melody fan fiction, but like let me have I think, it. <laughs> I think that, that should be written. I think you should get right on that. I agree. You know what? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I know you ran away with Lydia, but I'm here. You're here to make mm-hmm. drag me to the altar and make me marry it? No, I'm here to take her place. Sure. No. <laughs> That's good stuff. Adrian Lucas That's good and stuff Colin right Firth there. being still my beating bosoms. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for bringing this to us. This was perfect. This was so much fun. It was. And that's what, I mean, historical, can you get very intense about historical and the correctness of it and the accuracy. And you watch something like this, you go, who cares? Look at it. It's so fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a wonderful escape. And I loved the, I love the melding of romance and historical and horror in this one. It's just so good. Imagine filming that though, like going, we're here to do Pride and Prejudice, but with sauce. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, Clive, where can they find you online? Oh, where can they find your newest releases? Where can they follow you on social media? I have a website, which reminds me, I need to put up a new blog post on the 30th. <laughs> Mentally just thinking on it. Cliverose.com. Um, I'm on Amazon and Goodreads and BookBub. I have a newsletter. I have a group on Facebook called Some Like It Regency. Ooh. Thank you. I have had a release come out in July. Um, it's a novella in a collection of sweet to spicy Regency shorts, Secrets of the Soho Club. And the main character in that one is based on the woman on Twitter who refined the algorithm that helped uncover the plagiarism a couple of years ago. And I promised Ooh. I'd put her in a book. So I invented this detective character who throws knives. Get it. Because she's into swords and I just couldn't work the swords in. Mm. But, yeah, I, I, I spent ages, like, designing gloves that she could flick knives out from and so that I could make sure they worked. Super cool. <laughs> so she And she, she's sort of a, a spy for the princess, the crown princess, and she gets embroiled in a bit of a scandal and trips over the king's spy and into bed as one does as one does one is investigating things at an underground london club so yeah that that came out in july and that's it's i'm working on i think that that's got legs and i'm looking to make a romance mystery series out of it which is one of the reasons i've been looking so closely at any um, regency stuff involving actual weaponry if someone doesn't get shot or stabbed i don't feel like i'm doing my regency author job i really don't (laughs) i like it um i like it (laughs) so um that's great yeah so the cliverose.com i'm on facebook uh clive rose author twitter clive rose instagram clive rose there's really only one of me and yeah all my releases are on amazon i've got another one coming out october 8th that's a short uh, a christmas novella in a collection of sweet that's my first one i've written without heavy sex oh okay it was a challenge i have to say it took me three times as long because i'm used <laughs> to I am used to using the sex scenes to showcase certain character th- character traits and sure. I could not do it this time, so I had to do it the slow way through dialogue and glances and <laughs> fuck already, but no. <laughs> I could not. And, 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 I, and I get carried away and it'd be like, you know, and then he'd see me glancing like, no, can't do that. Can't be dancing, <laughs> can't be staring at her boobs, can't be admiring her figure, she can't be looking at the front of his trousers. All the things that my other she could not do. Completely. <laughs> so Completely. interesting for me. It had you flexing other muscles. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, you know, I took it on as a challenge for myself because I've always had a lot of my stories start with a sex scene and I literally ripple it out with front and back. Yeah. 
So it's like a word gas. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I this time I had to do it differently. There you go. That I want that to be my quote. Do it differently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have a lady love? Mm. As I say, I collect lingerie. Mm. So um, because I like the feel of silk and satin and lace. And I have quite a number of uh, bodices that are made out of those things. So popping one of them on, mind you, it's not easy on your own. Mm-hmm. And a bath. I don't have a bath in my house. So whenever someone, this happened, you know, can you water my plants? We're going away for the weekend. If they've got a tub, I take, like, that's my big treat for myself. That's a great idea. <laughs> I love it. It doesn't have to be a bubble bath. I'm an, I'm an amateur aromatherapist. I play all around with oils and stuff. So I like to make a little blend and like pop that in the water. And Fine. that's my lady thing. That's my lady thing. With wine, without wine, with a book, without a book, don't care. It's about the water. Yeah. It's about the soaking and the relaxation. I love a bath. Yeah. Mine's really <laughs> pedestrian. Mine lately is Bluetooth headphones because I mine broke for a little while and having to go back to like figuring out how to do corded headphones oh, and like no, I, I feel be that. able to do dishes or whatever I want to do w- along with ugh. the first time I wore Bluetooth headphones for jogging was wonderful. Yeah. No getting oh, tangled yeah. up and but yeah, and then the dog ate them, and I've I've been a bit dirty on the dog ever since. <laughs> I have my headphones on all the time. Like I'll go to the shops with my headphones on. Sometimes I don't even play music. It's just to block out extraneous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I'm not interested in connecting with everyone twenty four seven. It doesn't yeah. for me. I have seventeen million people inside my head having conversations all the time. I don't need it to be outside my world as well. Like some people are like, "Are you listening to me?" I'm like, often I have a look on my face that I'm listening to someone. It's not always you. I'm sorry. I'm a writer. That's how it works. That's right. You got to tune in. Yeah. You got to tune into the internal. All right. So keep being a badass. And love yourself as much as Lizzie loves her blades. Ooh. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. I had the best time. Anytime. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.